0: Okay. Let's come together in our usual sit. I've got a little bell here and I will ring said bell and then mute myself for a bit and we'll do our normal sit for about 25 minutes or so. And uh I'll we'll do a little bit gui- of guidance in the beginning and then I'll, I'll mute myself and we can So get comfortable both people and kitties and maybe dogs if there's dogs behind the scenes as well. Let's begin our sit as we often do by returning to the body breathing. Take a few long, slow, deep breaths in and out. Bring your awareness back to the body, getting yourself comfortable. Bringing yourself in direct contact with posture, awareness of sitting. Some of you are probably in chairs. I'm on a couch, sort of hanging off a couch. Wherever you're seated, bring awareness into direct contact with posture. Maybe do a little body sweeping and scanning, checking in. What does the body feel like in this moment as we get started on our meditative journey? Body breathing. There may be some extra tension in the shoulders and the neck, the back. Check in and be in touch with any tension you may notice. Take some deep breaths into certain parts of the body and make an intentional effort to relax the muscles when they need be. Being comfortable as we begin our sit is so important. It guides so much of what we experience emotionally in meditation. What kind of breathing would be comfortable right now? Give yourself a few nurturing breaths. Pay attention to the uprightness of posture, back straight, shoulders relaxed, body breathing. And then it can be helpful to do what we call gladdening the mind or gladdening the heart. And we do this to orient ourselves to our intention and meditation practice, which ultimately is to free ourselves from suffering. So all beings may be free from suffering. To heal ourselves so all beings may be healed. So we begin by calling to the altar of our hearts and minds something that is going well in our life, something we are grateful for. It might be a person or a place or a circumstance, might be a pet. We just simply think of something that brings us joy, brings us delight, brings us happiness something that enlivens the mood gladdens the heart as we begin our journey inward into the present moment in spite of stress and tension and maybe worry and concern there must be at least one thing that is still going well for you these days in spite of uncertainty think of someone who has listened to you cared for you Lend it a hand or a heart. Something that delights. What are you grateful for in this moment? And with a body that's at ease, and a heart that's enlivened with gratitude, we find a home base in the breathing body. Bring our attention to the breath. We can pay attention at the belly or the diaphragm, every moment, rising, falling, in-breath, out-breath. Or we can bring attention to the upper lip, just below the nostrils, the air moving in and out, in-breath, out-breath. We can also bring awareness to any part in the body where we feel sensations, the energy that comes from breathing. You can bring awareness to your hands or your feet maybe your face or the top of the head. Anywhere that you can come into direct contact with sensations. Where there is life, there is energy. There is body sensations. So we find a place to rest awareness, to ground ourselves in the present moment. Awake and aware. The body breathing. On occasion, the mind will wander, it's designed to do so. We make a gentle and easy effort to try and catch the mind before it wanders away as it leans into the past or tries to escape into the future. When we become aware and awake to the wandering mind, we simply invite it back to the present moment. Take note though, where does the mind go? The mind will wander to find something more pleasant than the present moment. So it can be helpful when you catch the mind wandering Invite the mind back and reward it with some nourishing breathing. Breathe in a way that gives you a sense of ease and well being. Remind the mind that the present moment can be pleasurable and that being aware of a body breathing can be worth staying for. Delight the mind with nourishing breathing when you find it wandering away. Take note of where it goes. What is it about the past that draws the mind there? What is it about the fabricated future that entices the mind to wander away? Take note of what is arising in the present. Perhaps the mind is wandering to get away from something, attention in the body a mood that is disliking, some aversion, physical, emotional, mental. We take note of these things, we investigate them, but in the end, we bring the mind back to breathing, to the body breathing, here and now in the present moment, awake and aware, to this body in this moment breathing. So we sit here, body breathing, in-breath, out-breath, arising and passing away, each moment, moment to moment, body breathing. Awareness directly in contact with life, the energy of the body breathing, each breath with a beginning, a middle and an end, moment to moment, impermanence arising and passing away. As one settles into breathing body, you'll notice that you can begin to feel sensations throughout the body. Your hands may light up with energy, sensations on the face, top of the head. You might experience the temperature of the room, maybe some prickling or tingling in certain parts of the body. With every in and out breath, the sensations on the body change, rising and passing away, impermanent changing phenomenon. Where there's life, there is sensations in the body. And we bring awareness into direct contact with this life, with each breath. You might consider joining me in some body scanning practice where we bring awareness to the top of the head and we work our way down part by part, piece by piece, direct contact with body sensations, living, breathing energy of the living body in touch with awareness. bring our awareness to the top of the head. And we just investigate what sensations can you feel there? In this moment, what does the top of my head feel like? Maybe pressure, maybe heat, maybe cold, maybe itching, tingling, any sensations at all? Take our awareness and we just spread it around the top of the head, exploring in this moment, what does it feel like? With each part of the body, you may take a few breaths in and out, watching how breathing changes the energy in the body. With each breath, different sensations are rising and passing away moment to moment, top of the head. And then we allow awareness to drip down, kind of like water being poured down from the top of the head. We allow awareness to spread out. and We let it drift down to the face, that which we call our face. What does the face feel like in this moment? The forehead and the cheeks, the nose and the chin, the lips. What sensations can you feel in this moment in the face? You can expand awareness to take in the whole face or maybe just narrow your awareness and see what is occurring in this moment on the very tip of the nose. Be aware of the teeth and the tongue in this moment. We can allow awareness to drift down. We can wrap it around to the back of the neck and the back of the head. Checking in with the ears. Maybe noticing the temperature of the room on the ears. Back of the head and the neck in this moment, sensations arising and passing away. And we can sweep down gently, allowing awareness to drift down, maybe the left shoulder into the left arm. Sensations in my left arm, bicep, tricep, elbow, forearm and hand. In this moment, sensations arising and passing Try to notice your fingers, the palm of the hand. What does your left thumb feel like in this moment? Can you notice the pinky? So much life in the body. Sensations changing, arising and passing away with each in out breath. You might hold the left hand in awareness gently with curiosity and equanimity, with a gentle ease. And then take a few breaths in and out and watch how sensations change within and out breathing. Breath energy arising and passing. we can bring awareness back up to the neck and take a different journey down the right side, the right shoulder. What does the right arm feel like in this moment? The elbow, forearm and hand. So much life moment to moment in direct contact with awareness. You can take the whole arm in as an object of awareness, or you might consider just taking a small piece, like maybe your thumb or your wrist. What does the wrist feel like in this moment? Any sensations in contact with awareness, hot or cold, pressure, tension. Maybe there's some pain in the arm somewhere tingling, prickling, any sensation in contact with awareness. Now we can continue our journey, bringing awareness to the front of the body, to the throat. Letting awareness drift down from the throat to the chest to the stomach. Using awareness to explore moment to moment the arising and passing away of sensations. Where there is life, there is sensations. You might bring awareness to your heart, see what lights up for you there. Notice any sense of expansion or contraction, tightness or tension. Awake and aware to the living, breathing body. What does the belly feel like in this moment? And then we can gently sweep around to the back of the body, to the top of the neck, down through the shoulder blades and the back, the spine, the low back. Our back carries so much tension and stress. Notice how it's feeling in this moment. Where do you notice sensations more distinctly? Take a couple long, slow, deep breaths and take the whole back into awareness, the sensation of the back and the spine and the shoulders. every part of the body alive and awake with sensation. And then we can allow awareness to drift down through the hips, front and back, our legs connecting, We move into these bigger muscles, the legs carrying us moment to moment throughout our day, quadriceps and hamstrings, the knees holding us up, taking so much weight. Bringing awareness into the lower part of the body, directly in contact with sensations. Allowing awareness to explore left leg, right leg, right foot, left foot, everywhere. Sensations in life in direct contact with awareness. What does your left foot feel like in this moment? Is it different from the right? Maybe one has tingling. Maybe one foot has pressure from the floor or from the seat. Awareness of feet in this moment. And then lastly, as we breathe in and out, take in the whole body, bring awareness into the whole body. Where do you most notice the body in this moment? Which parts are lighting up, hands and face and feet? Where do you notice being embodied in this moment? Take in the whole body in awareness. Living, breathing body. Sensations arising, sensations passing away, impermanence with each in and out breath. In a minute, I'm gonna ring the bell, but as we conclude our meditation, call to the altar of your heart a wish for the world. In this moment, what would you wish for, for all beings? In this moment, What would you like to speak from your heart to theirs? What longing would you have for the world? What would you offer them if you could? Your greatest wish, your greatest aspiration for all beings. was much needed thank you for joining me in that it's so cool to be sitting with you all even in a virtual digital Dharma Hall I still feel like we're meditating together in the same space that is cool I'm glad this is working in this way all right it's so nice to see everybody here because with all the news and everything wondering how people are doing and so on. It's just so nice to be all in the same place. This is really cool that we can have a digital dharma hall. And what a privilege too, if you think about it. I mean, in the past during a situation like this, none of this would be possible. People wouldn't be able to come together. And here we can come together safely um, and still practice the dharma. That is so cool. So I wanted to thank you all for coming. I know often when we start uh, week to week I usually offer some gratitude for just the experience of being able to be in this role and for us coming together at PIMC. And I think tonight it's even more moving to me in that, you know, we could be doing anything in response to the stress and uncertainty that's going on. We could be escaping into the media, we could be escaping into distraction, uh, we could be escaping into intoxicants. Uh, We could allow ourselves to disconnect and disengage and we could get swallowed up by a sense of alienation and isolation Uh, And yet here we are coming together in sangha in community and connectivity supporting each other in practice and supporting each other uh, in spirit and The fact that we choose to do this I think is significant. I think this is incredible role modeling and I think in a time where we can so easily lose the balance of our minds and we're seeing folks lose the balance of our minds coming together like this is is huge um robert's daughter daughter tara the other day when i was on the phone with robert and tara said she had heard this phrase that we can choose social solidarity even in a time of social distancing and so here we are in social solidarity and i really want to to mention that, because this feels so connecting to me, even though it's got the wires and the microphone and and the the monitor, it, it does feel like we're connected and the fact that we're choosing to be here when we can choose to be doing so many other things is, is heartwarming. And I wanted to just really give you an authentic, authentic thank you for coming together and keeping our Sangha alive and well and practicing together and supporting me and everyone in this room, so to speak, uh, in practice. So this is I always tell people, as you know, that I feel coming together in practice is a gift and that when we come together in Sangha, we are offering our hearts and our minds and we're sharing an intimate part of ourselves. And the choice to do that, to come together in practice, I know is a sacrifice for for people because we could be doing all kinds of other things. So that commitment is something I think we should uh, you know, honor and sort of pat ourselves on the back for still staying true to our practice in this time, in this time especially. Um, coming together and practicing and keeping PIMC up and running in this way, it's just, it's moving really. So thank you so much for choosing to join us um, this evening. So of course I was thinking, what are we gonna talk about tonight? And how are we gonna do this? So part of my learning curve is just gonna be be, uh, figuring out how this feels. But um, separate from that, you know, I found myself asking the question, what is the appropriate thing to say um, as a meditator and as a dharma teacher and and this was on my mind for a few days and you know there's people shouting out on facebook and twitter and social media and the news and uh leaders from all over different communities are talking about different aspects of what's going on and you know what dawned on me after my mind was racing for a while was the best thing to do is just to talk about what we always talk about which is community, camaraderie, our practice, equanimity. In times like these, I think it's important that we stick to the basics of our practice and we remember the power of presence and the power of all the training that we've gone through to help us handle this moment. In this moment, we have all of this meditation experience. We have this incredible PIMC community and we've been practicing meditation and we've been learning skills We've been learning how to cultivate equanimity, compassion, discernment, concentration. We've learned to create a balanced mind and balanced heart. And in these moments, those are the exact tools that we'll be using to manage the anxiety and the fear and the confusion of this pandemic. There isn't a new tool or a new thing to be doing, I don't think. I think we need to remember that the basics are powerful. And being present and staying connected and being awake and aware and being committed is really, I think, some of the best stuff that we can do. Um, There isn't a magical sprinkling of something else I think that I have to offer. So I'm gonna try and remember to stick with the basics and to remind myself to be awake and aware to what arises and passes away for myself in this time and to help you all to stay connected and present with what is going on with you and how we can participate actively in this time By choosing to show up as compassionate, caring, and kind human beings, I would really invite us to take a stand for showing up as balanced and loving and uh, beings of integrity. And we can, I'm convinced, show up as folks that are the calm forces in a world that feels very topsy-turvy, that we can use our practices to help others be calm and we can be role models for love and compassion during this time. And I think the basics of our practice are what we truly need to remember as this becomes more challenging for us. I thought it would be helpful to normalize some of the stuff that's going on. I know with myself and uh, with everybody in this room, so we can start off by sort of embodying the first noble truth and talk about what's been happening with this dukkha that has arisen in our space, in our world, our personal life space, in our spiritual community, and in our world. And I think it's important to really uh, take some time to normalize what we're going through. Uh, And so I wanted to do a little bit of that tonight and hopefully share a little bit if we can get it to work on the platform. I wanted to remind us that human beings really dislike uncertainty human beings really dislike things that are unstable and unpredictable and things we can't really get a hold on and uh, note to self life is like that life is unstable life is unpredictable and life is uncertain and human beings really don't like it so much we don't care so much for this uncertainty thing this impermanence thing is a real drag we spend so much of our energy if you think about it trying to create a sense of certainty trying to create a sense of solidity in our lives. We spend much energy personally and as a society trying to create structures that keep us feeling safe and secure and stable. We want predictability. We want to be able to know that we can go out and be safe. We want to know we can go to the store and find toilet paper. And when we don't have that experience, we can feel very discombobulated. We can feel very... uh, scared, fearful, shocked, confused. And that is a natural response to this fact. We like predictability because it makes us feel safe. But the fact is, Anicca, this impermanence is really prominent right now, and we're really experiencing the reality of that a lot of our safety and security is somewhat of an illusion, that it's not there when you need it. And sometimes it can change really quickly. I feel like every time I look at the news, Some huge changes happened, you know, I'm having just to try and not check it every 20 minutes because it just feels like I can't emotionally keep up with with the experience. Uh, But I wanted to remind us that we we thrive on trying to keep things stable in a world that is inherently unstable. And at times like these, when instability happens, it's going to throw us, we're going to feel feel that dukkha, we're going to feel that craving to want to be as stable as possible. We're going to feel aversion arise to the fear and the confusion and the what if the catastrophizing that the mind naturally does in circumstances like this. So this is natural. This is natural for us to feel this way. When I was, uh, hanging out this weekend, I was trying to be a little bit more intentional and aware with what I was feeling. I wanted to bring mindfulness to this experience. I wanted to choose to be wakeful as these experiences were happening. And I was surprised because when I was online looking at the news and uh, checking in with some social media, it seemed like the most common description of what people were experiencing was fear, some sense of fear or anxiety. But I noticed that when I use mindfulness to check in with myself, fear and anxiety were just two of about a dozen emotions that I was experiencing. And what I discovered when I brought awareness to my heart, I was noticing that it was like a ball of yarn. On the outside, it looked like one solid anxiety, fear type of thing. But when I started pulling it apart, I started to notice there was all kinds of stuff there. There was all kinds of sensations, emotions, and physical things going on when I brought awareness to the present moment. So I wrote down a few things that I was experiencing, because I imagine all of us in various ways are experiencing these things. And I'm confident that these are just the normal responses that you would expect from having to go through what we're calling this pandemic. So along with anxiety and fear that I was noticing in myself, one of the things I noticed a significant amount of was confusion. I had this confusion that was arising and passing away. There were some moments when I thought, oh, I'm, I'm reacting to this pandemic situation in a, in a reasonable fashion. And then I would read an article or someone would send a tweet. And then I would get confused and second guess myself and say, oh my gosh, do I need more food? Do I need to be better prepared? Can I be safer? Um, A couple of my acquaintances sent me selfies over the weekend of them huddled together with groups of people (laughs) holding parties. Um, And I got confused because I didn't know am I underreacting? Am I overreacting? Um, and so as I, as I spoke with people over the weekend, I noticed in myself and in others a sense of confusion, not just fear and anxiety, but feeling confused about what am I expected to do, uh, how to be best prepared, how to stay safe. And it was really helpful to get in touch with that emotion to know that there are other emotions at play here that we're experiencing. And one of the benefits of being a meditator is we can unpack some of this density that might be weighing on us. We can unpack some of this density of emotion and start to begin to unpack this and see that there might be a bunch of emotions that were cycling through as these days go by. And to be in touch with the various emotions and naming them or labeling them can be hugely helpful to decrease the stress. Another thing I noticed was um, anger and judgment and blame arising in this heart and mind. I noticed that I would watch the news and blame would come up and anger and then fear and confusion. And I found myself almost enjoying blaming others, uh, for what I think they should be doing or criticizing them for something. Cause it gave me a sense of control. It gave me a sense of, Oh, I know what should be happening at the level of the CDC or the world health organization or the government. Um, and I found myself kind of getting into a negative mindset by complaining and being angry. Um, and I found that was, that was surprising when I brought awareness to that, that it wasn't just fear that was arising. There was a sense of anger. Um, and that's also, I think, totally normal for what we're experiencing. Um, I also noticed a sense of shock. There was moments where I felt somewhat helpless and somewhat in shock when I found people that I, in my head, I said, these people should be the adults in the room. And I felt a sense of shock when I found them to not be as responsible as I feel like they should be. And that was an interesting emotion to feel not only confusion, but feel helpless and not taken care of by folks that I am relying on in the bigger uh, societal picture for my well being and our well being. And so there was that that came up for me as well the sense of shock and anger and judgment. And I noticed as it was arising that these are normal for, for what we're going through. It's going to be natural for us to be confused and shocked by these things. And I think we need to honor and label that these are what are rising and passing away in the heart and mind uh, as we bring mindfulness to this situation. Another one I experienced was grief. There was a sense of sort of anticipatory grief where I thought of people in my life that were vulnerable. And I realized, oh, wow, I'm I'm having a moment where I'm asking myself, what happens if someone close to me passes away from the virus? Uh, I was thinking about my father who has uh, compromised immunity, um, breathing difficulties, diabetes. Um, It was clear in my head if, if he were to get the virus that surviving would be unlikely. And there was a sense of grief over that potentiality. And then I was also thinking of other people who have passed away from this and thinking, You know, for every 100 or 200 people that we see in statistics who have passed away from the virus, there are dozens and dozens of family members who have been impacted by this loss. And exponentially, I began to have this sense of of grief for our fellow humans who are experiencing loss. You know, even as we speak, as we're in this room, uh, all alive and relatively well, I'm presuming, um, there's families that are mourning who've lost people in this situation. And I noticed that there was a sense of grief over the weekend and a sense of sadness that came up when I thought of people. Uh, and I tried to look at it like, it's easy to go on social media and look at statistics, but behind those statistics are real people and real families who've, who've lost people and are afraid of losing people. And I have a ton of people in my life who, who, have, who are older, who have immune compromised uh, situations. And so there was some fear and anxiety I was experiencing Uh, around that as well so i wanted to honor that i wanted to bring that into the room because uh in this time i think it's really helpful to normalize what we're going through and i wanted to tie this into our first noble truth i think it's so helpful uh, in the dharma to have this framework especially at times like these where we can uh, come to understand what we're doing with this blueprint that we've been studying about for so long and our first noble truth says that that there is suffering Our first noble truth reminds us that it is normal for human beings to live in a realm where there is suffering. And that first insight encourages us to really take a moment to breathe and to honor the fact of whatever is arising and passing away in times of strife. And I think we can uh, second guess our emotions. We can ask ourselves, oh, maybe I should be handling this better. Or maybe I should, should be feeling this or should be feeling that. And rather than just accepting what arises in response to this strange and confusing time, it can be common for us to turn away from the emotions, to downplay them, to deny them. Uh, but the Buddha invites us to do something else. The Buddha reminds us that in times of strife, it's not uncommon for tr- us to try and push away what we're feeling, to ignore it. Um, And in the the Dharma, we don't do that. We lean into the dukkha. We honor it, we label it, we bring it into awareness, and we try to be accepting of these things. So we begin our path again with the first noble truth. And I would really encourage us as we're moving through these days week to week, um, and we don't know what's going to be happening, but that we at least honor what's happening in our hearts and minds. And we give ourselves credit for being human and realizing that it's okay to feel tired. It's okay to feel numb, it's okay to feel sad, it's okay to feel worried uh, and concerned. Uh, This is a natural response. And our first noble truth, in fact, invites that to be our first step. Another thing I wanted to to just mention in my own experience is uh, to remind ourselves of the hindrances. One of the great privileges of being a meditator is that we can remind ourselves that we can be intentional that we can be proactive in how we respond to situations. We can't control the fact that the pandemic is here. We can't control the fact that there might be fear that arises when we walk into a grocery store and we see that there's something there or something we wanted that isn't there. We can't control that initial primitive or primal response uh, to catastrophize or wonder if everyone's gonna be safe. Those kind of things, those are the conditions that are arising, but as a meditator, we can remember that we have a choice on how we respond, right? The hindrances, the suffering that arises moment to moment, the worry and concern, when that arises, we have a choice on how we respond. We can choose how we interact with the situation. And if we bring mindfulness and intentionality, intentionality to the circumstances, we have a greater possibility of decreasing suffering, decreasing stress, and we can, when we can create a sense of ease in our hearts and minds by choosing to react intentionally rather than just responding out of the hindrances, out of panic and fear, we really help ourselves and we help everybody that we come in contact with. I really see this as an opportunity for us to role model the uh, the enlightenment factors, essentially. I really see this as an opportunity for us to be the calm folks in the room. And so I would encourage us to remind ourselves and each other in our community, that we have an opportunity to watch those hindrances arise and then to choose a different response. We can bring equanimity to a moment of fearfulness. We can bring some discernment to a moment of grief. We can bring some loving kindness practice to moments when the world is feeling out of control. We have tools that we can use that we are skilled in that will allow us to decrease our suffering. So this is the the path I've taken over this weekend is to number one, acknowledge what I'm experiencing, to try to bring mindfulness to the various emotions, to remember that the emotions are natural, that I cannot control the circumstance, but I do have some autonomy and some agency in how I respond. And as a meditator, I've been practicing to do this, and I've been intentional about keeping the balance of my mind so that I can engage in skillful practice when this practice is needed. Another thing I wanted to remind us that I I noticed over the weekend was, when I'm not being intentional, the hindrances are more than happy to take over. When I'm not being mindful, when I'm not being awake and aware, when I'm not intentionally trying to be loving to myself and to those around me, the hindrances love to jump in the driver's seat and take the wheel. They love to catastrophize, they love to create moments of fearfulness, Uh, The hindrances love to create aversion and things like this for ourselves. And so I noticed, and I know I've talked about this in Dharma Talks even over the last few weeks and last few months, when we're not being intentional, when we're not bringing awareness to the present moment, our unconscious habit patterns are more than happy to drive for us. And in this case, what we need to know is that in times of distress, so psychologically speaking, in times of fear, in times of panic, and in times of distress, the mind will naturally fall back on the hindrances. We fall back on the habit patterns from our past to deal with the situation. And sometimes our unconscious habit patterns just aren't the best folks to put in charge of the situation. And so this is a really good time to be mindful of hindrances as they arrive. As they arise and pass away, look for that aversion, look for the craving for things to be different and really bring some wakefulness and some compassion and equanimity to these moments as they happen for you throughout the next, the next few weeks. Another thing I just wanted to normalize along with, uh, in light of, I should say, of the, the First Noble Truth, is just that it's not simply that we experience suffering, but that the pandemic itself is a natural part of the human experience. And it's very easy when we have really disorienting things like this to respond by saying this shouldn't be happening or how could this be happening or why is it happening? And we can create a second layer of suffering by looking at this circumstance as something that shouldn't be the case. And I was online over the weekend kind of looking, looking this up. um, And all of these, uh, Sort of podcasts and blogs we're, we're talking about the fact that there's been twenty or thirty major pandemics uh, in human history that have been large like this that have been global um, that have really disrupted society and life and this is our pandemic this is our experience of this human phenomenon and it's happening it's here it's the condition that has arisen we can't control that part of our condition, but we certainly control how our heart responds and so it also encourage us to really honor the condition itself as something that's a natural part of the human experience. As long as human beings have been wandering around, we have had the companions of infectious disease. We have walked the world and traveled with diseases and spread them to each other. And what we are experiencing now is something that humans have been experiencing for all of human history. This is just our version of this round of what we call a pandemic. And so I'm not saying that to be dismissive or to downplay the severity or the risks or anything like that. I'm just asking us as meditators to remember the first noble truth, that dukkha is a part of the human experience and the pandemic itself is simply arising in this moment. And it is not helpful oftentimes, it is not helpful oftentimes to go down that rabbit hole when we say, why is this happening to me? Or this shouldn't be happening. Those kind of phrases really throw the mind into those uh, loops and cycles of catastrophizing and, and it encourages confusion and disheartenedness. And so again, I'm trying to normalize and bring us into our practice squarely and solidly into this idea that here is an opportunity to practice with dukkha. I would also encourage you to consider this. Every single person in this digital Dharma hall, every single person in this room has survived and come in contact with suffering in their lives, significant suffering of one sort or another. And I would invite you to take the time to remind yourself of your strengths. Remind yourself of how you've been successful in dealing with suffering in the past. Mindfulness is not just about being present. The Buddha talks about how mindfulness is also a way of asking ourselves, what kind of skillful actions can I take in this moment? What kind of skillful actions have I taken in the past to decrease my suffering that I can invoke in this time? Every person in this room has a strength, a strong suit, a trait, a positivity that you can bring to help decrease suffering for yourself and others. Every one of us can help each other in this time to feel safe, to feel supported and feel loved. We have skills, we have abilities So I would encourage us to remember our goodness, our innate goodness, and the skills that we have as both humans, but also as meditators, right? And remind ourselves to bring those into the present moment, to bring these uh, into our our moments of distress for ourselves and for all beings. And that is something that I took comfort in over the weekend. I was trying to, to think about what are the things that I can take refuge in? What are my strengths, right? What can I do to be of service? How can I show up in the world as a compassionate and kind and generous person in this time of need? How can I be a role model for others? And I started thinking about that. I would encourage you as an exercise, as a contemplation, in the next few days is to sit down and recount your strengths, recount your goodness, recount what you can bring to your friends and family. As a community, we are teeming with generosity and teeming with skills that we can use to decrease our suffering. Well, my friends, may all beings share in the merits of our practice. May we come together, as always, to practice for ourselves so all beings may be free from suffering. May we connect, right, may we connect, may we reach out when needed. The teachers are here, our community is here, we are not in this alone. So let's remember that we can stay connected and we can have this social solidarity in the time of social distancing. Let's care for each other, our families, our community, and for the world to the best of our abilities. And let's take a stand to show up with open hearts and open minds. Let's practice keeping, let's practice our practice, keeping our hearts open and our minds stable. Let's try and bring our enlightenment factors into the world, wisdom, compassion, equanimity, and joy in this time. Thank you so much for coming together. I'm just delighted by this whole experience. This has just totally made my week. I can't wait to do this again. Next week, I'm going to be jumping into some of the other groups over the week to see how everyone is doing. Um, Thank you again. Hope you're all well.